0: y'all! Hey folks! Welcome to this Most Unbelievable Podcast.
1: We are your hosts, Paul Fitzgerald
0: and Sherry Spiegel.
1: You're listening to Season 2, our first summer season. For the next few months, we'll take a look at a thread we began last season in our Rates of Things episode.
0: We'll take several episodes to explore how we process and experience things.
1: First in the body,
0: then in the mind,
1: and finally, and most challengingly, in the heart.
0: We would love your feedback, so please feel welcome to leave us a comment or a question on the Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter.
1: Or you can send us an email at thepaulicherrypod at gmail.com.
0: Of course, you can also find all of this on our website, thismostunbelievablelife.com.
1: Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show.
0: And if you like the show, we'd appreciate your rating on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help
1: us out too. We're so glad you're joining us on this journey, and on with the show. Boom! All right. Boom! Boom! Sherry, I have a question for you, Sherry.
0: What is your question, Paul?
1: Did you press the button?
0: I did press the button. Sherry now my... has. Yes. Go ahead. Finish Sherry that now sentence. has a button. No,
1: Sherry now has a button.
0: She does. She can record on a beautiful Zoom mixer without you. And yet she chooses to do it with you.
1: Well, it's good to have backups. It is. It's good to have backups.
0: I also like to be able to control my own audio.
1: Yeah, that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, In person, as we recorded recently, that's easier to do sort of on the fly. But there are so many more moving parts now that we're recording these podcasts over Zoom. One has to be a little more mindful of Uh, I'm not sure how to finish this. It sounded good when I started. I wanted to be a little bit more mindful of every part of the process, I think.
0: Well, I think it's an interesting... There's a way in which you regulate everything, right? Like, if you're in person, you know how to regulate how loud your voice is. But Mm -hmm. I think when I don't have control over my own audio, I'm paying less attention to how I'm regulating it, right? Um, So last time, actually last time, I did have control over my own audio, um, but I had my mixer behind uh, behind my screen, so I wasn't paying attention to when I was peeking out. And I got right. very obsessed with this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now I can pay attention to when my little signal button turns red and know that I'm peeking out and I either need to dial it down or <laughs> dial it down.
1: Dial it down, yeah. Adjust your volume or adjust your excitement level.
0: One yes. One or the other. And
1: I would recommend that you... Not that you need my recommendations. Keep the excitement level where it is, yes. you know, and uh, yes. let Sherry be 100% Sherry. Yeah. The world deserves no less, I would say. The world deserves no less. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. Of course. Of course. How's your day going?
0: Pretty great, actually. I've had a delightful day. You know what today is? It's important that we honor what today is. What is today? Today is July 7th. Mm-hmm. Which is Ringo Starr's 80th birthday. Wow. Yeah. Um, this probably means very little to you. Actually, I don't know. I should not guess how much you love Ringo Starr. But let the world know, Ringo Starr was my first love.
1: Oh, really? I did not know that. hmm What was at the bottom?
0: His nose. Really? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, definitely his nose. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I guess, well, he played drums, which is also appealing. He still does. Uh, I saw him play drums. Well, I saw him in concert for my 18th birthday. Um, he was not the best drummer there, but that's. Well, he
1: wasn't when he was with the Beatles either. So let's just say what. Okay.
0: It's true. I know. I know. (laughs) I I don't know. Like, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the Beatles lately because I'm reading a book that's talking a lot about uh, Paul McCartney and uh, John Lennon's relationship. And um, I think they were fine Beatles. But for some reason, you can't always explain what what you gravitate towards. And I always gravitated towards Ringo. Hmm. The heart wants what it wants.
1: It does. And I always thought George Harrison was the genius of the group.
0: That's you and my husband are on, of the same opinion.
1: Yeah, he was the he was the creative in the in the group. I mean, we could have same conversations about Pink Floyd hmm, with mm-hmm. you know Roger Waters and and Dave Gilmore. Yeah, they. I mean, John Lennon and Paul McCartney never hated each other like Roger Waters and David Gilmore do. I think, uh, but yeah. Again, you know, it's it's interesting to have these conversations with these bands on who was the creative and who was the face and who was the voice and what are different roles. And George Harrison, he, he never said anything. He just hung out with Ringo, you know, mm-hmm. and and kind of kept the kept the groove kind of rooven, which is interesting because you know Paul McCartney was the bass player here.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's so this book I'm reading is Powers of Two, and um, the way they talk about it, you know, it's as though the real creative team was always, you know, Paul and John um, and the as though Ringo and George were just kind of the backdrop.
1: Yeah, bit players. Um, yeah, bit players. Yeah.
0: Um, but then I think, you know, as you look at, you know, each one of them had their own distinct um, musical career after the Beatles. So obviously, you know, they're not all just hangers on. They're Something else. Yeah, so. and,
1: and uh, yeah. I don't think either one of them ever stopped. I don't think Ringo ever stopped. I mean, he was with, you know, a number of, of groups. What he with Traveling Mulberries? Was he playing drums with them or not? I might have just said something know. incorrect. I don't know. But. You
0: may have. I, yeah, that doesn't feel quite right, but I'm not sure. Um But, I mean, you know, with his all-star band, he did his own stuff. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah.
0: But anyway, I mean, he's 80 years old, and he's always... To my knowledge, been a delight. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I he is the first. Like I have had a long series of musician related crushes over the course of my life, and he was the first. Who is it now? Uh, Brian Fallon.
1: Brian
2: Fallon. Um, Brian Fallon.
1: You've mm-hmm. sent me a couple of. Uh, you've sent me a couple of those. I'm not as, I'm not well versed in, br-
0: in, in, yeah, yeah, in the world of Brian Fallon. In the world Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm not well versed in the world of Brian Fallon. One of our listeners though has been asking us about this who our what our musical tastes are.
0: That's true. Yeah, so yeah, this is we did not plan for a music episode and this won't be a fully music episode. This won't be. Yeah. This will not be <laughs> it. Um but it is Ringo's birthday, so we have to take a moment to acknowledge uh that, but yeah, Brian Fallon—he used to be in a band called The Gaslight Anthem, which I was a huge fan of, and now he does more solo work. Um, and
2: mm.
0: when I when I'm drawn to music, I'm first drawn because of lyrics. At least now, um, that wasn't the case with like why I got into the Beatles. I got into the Beatles because my dad and I were into the Beatles. Right, That's just it. Right, right. um, but Brian Fallon's. Uh, songwriting is just hit. So maybe we'll, we'll see more of this when we get into some heart episodes. Um, I don't really know how to process emotion until I find music that helps tap the emotion that I'm trying to get to.
1: You've said this to me before.
0: Yeah. And so Brian Fallon's music hits on the emotional chords that helps me to be able to feel the hardest things that I'm trying to process. Hmm. So Brian Fallon, I salute you, sir. Yeah,
1: that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's cool to have found that. Yes. One wonders, you know, um, how we find the music that we do. And I don't know what is behind what I'm listening to these days, but I don't know if that's true that I say that either. I mean, I've been listening to a lot of stuff. Lately from like songs I remembered from back when I was in like high school and early college. Like some mm-hmm. 80s, 90s stuff. You know this, right? I um, do. Steely, a lot of Steely Dan. Who knows why? You know, um, but I, I do have a fondness for Steely Dan a little bit just because it's one of the few possessions that I have um, that were my, for my sister. She passed away. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she had that I grabbed um, to, to keep... Uh, for all of eternity was uh, the best of Steely Dan CD. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, I never listened to Steely Dan much before that, but it's like, I sure as shit do know.
2: Yeah,
0: that's interesting. So, uh, this is where I tell you that I don't think I can name a single Steely Dan song. Though I I know that they exist, but I just, if I wanted to listen to Steely Dan, where would I start?
1: With the greatest hits, probably... (laughs) Even if you know a song, uh, Asia A J A right would be the the one that they're best known for. Probably their, okay. their best. It's got all a lot, not all the classics, but a lot of them on there. Interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, it was. It's considered a classic album by by many. Um, hmm. By many, but some yeah. interesting stuff. But uh, just to just to kind of round this out, uh, Stacy, thanks for listening. Yes. Right. This was yes, her question. I just wanted to, yeah. yeah. Give Stacy a shout out.
2: Indeed. Um, yeah.
0: Hi, we'll talk about music more. Yeah. So, well, I do have one question about music before we ditch the music subject. So, I listen to music first for lyrics, right? It's very, mm-hmm. uh, which I think speaks a lot to how I experience the world. So I listen, I intellectualize, I look for how it connects to my heart. Um, and then it, it takes me a while, but eventually, like, I will commune with music in a way that I, I would describe as sort of body focused um yeah i'm gonna uh, a friend of mine and i wa- started last week well he's done it before but last tuesday i started listening to uh fish has like a tuesday night they play yes. a old yeah, show yes,
2: yeah.
0: right and so fish is a band that i can experience like it's like a full body experience so my question for you there was a question How do you experience music? Like, where does it start for you? What? How do you know you're in for for music?
1: Uh, I don't know. Like, Hmm. how do I know, like, what to listen to? Or how do I know when it's time to listen to something?
0: When you're listening to something, like, how do you know, ooh, that you found something that you're going to seek out?
1: It flows through me.
0: Tell me what that means to you. I don't
1: know. Um, okay, I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of the situations under which I say I'm going to listen to music now. And uh, I used to listen. Well, here's a COVID story, right? Um, I used to listen to music like literally all the time
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, before when we were in person. And I think I was listening to music a lot um, when I was really stressed out. Or mm-hmm. so I, I have. Listen to music for escapism. I think a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've, I I know for a fact that it. And I think anybody who's like ever listened to music in their life, raise your hand if you include yourself in that. Um, it does have a magical power to change one's mood.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean,
1: in, in like fundamentally and. I have, you know, a little playlist of, of songs that I use to get fired up before a lecture. Mm-hmm. I have my, you know, kind of zone in and do drudgerous uh, uh, sort of, I don't want to call it menial labor, but repetitive tasks on the computer mm-hmm. sort of work. Um, I do occasionally fool around with some meditative binaural beats slash tonal stuff every once in a while, but not too often.
0: alpha waves.
1: Yeah, not too often, but every once in a while I'll fool with it and see what's there. Um, you sort of dig what you dig and I, I go through moods and phases. Um, I think I mentioned earlier that I listen to my music sort of seasonally. Yep. And my wintertime list is a little different than my summertime list. In the summertime, I am interested in more sort of light, jazzy, airy, kind mm-hmm. of stuff and in the winter I do get more um old timey you know classical symphonic mm. heavier kind of stuff it's like in the winter we roast vegetables and we listen to heavier more orchestral arranged music in the summertime we eat salads and we listen to music that's a little more light and floaty you know a yeah. little more i wouldn't say jocular but um a little more yeah, i don't know you know just a little yeah. more salad like yeah. you know a little 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 happier a little more frivolous a little lighter perhaps mm-hmm. and in the fall and the spring i have no freaking idea i guess it just depends on the weather
0: well it's interesting cuz i remember last fall i think you sent me a message and you were like i'm looking for new music what are you into I did. like yeah. what's fall music to you and i was like no one has ever asked me this question before <laughs> i've never thought about fall music um and i'm still I'm still trying to figure that out for myself. So to be continued, we'll see what my fall music looks like this, this fall.
2: Yeah. But I mean, pay attention. I,
0: yeah, I know what you mean. Um, about sort of summer music and winter music, but fall and spring music is a little different, I think. But so the, mu- you still didn't answer my question though. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm not sure if I understand the question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's interesting. Um, I, I,
1: how yeah. do I know that it's... How do I know... What's the question? How do I know that it's...
0: How do you know you found new music that you're gonna, like, that...
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. That, um... like, how
0: do you know it's clicking with you? Like, I can tell you, okay, uh, so there's this band, uh, Charlie Bliss, and I really got into them recently, and the way I knew it, like, I was listening to their Tiny Desk concert, and uh, I think my husband put it on, and first song comes on and I'm just kind of like, I'm there for it, but I'm not really into it. But something happens in the second song and I'm just like, like it washes over me and I do Ooh. feel a physical response. And that's when I know like, this is something. Do you have that?
1: Yeah, I think it a, a little, a little, because okay. I am really curious on what what songs that I discovered that well, I don't even know how to find new music anymore. You know, uh-huh. um, I, I don't know if I don't think of, which is probably why I asked that question. I don't know if I'm good at it because um, back in the day, uh, you know, you listened to what was on the radio on the way home from high school, and uh-huh. uh-uh. you turned it. And when you were in college, if you if you did such a thing, you turned in. I mean, the most creative source of new music was whatever college radio station was around. Uh-huh. You know, because uh, but I got a front row seat for a lot of the, a lot of the birth of the new music back in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, I was in the, I was in the restaurant, the, the pizza restaurant on campus in 1980, 90, whatever, whatever year it was, the first time that MTV played, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh-huh. And I remember the number one song the previous week, this was, uh, Kurt Loder, right? Top five at five. Uh-huh. And okay. wow, you know, everyone who was listening to our podcast is who is under the age of 35 is like, what the hell is he talking about? MTV used to play music videos. That's all you need to know for now.
0: I'm not sure that's our target demographic. But no, go I don't know on. if it
1: is. Yeah, I don't know if it is. But if you, if it is, if you are listening, great. Uh, um,
0: yes, listen on.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um,
0: also Google Kirk Loiter. Yeah, like yeah.
1: Um, and it was CNC Music Factory, mm-hmm. you know, good vibration. And, um, that was number one and, you know, it was like, there's a new number one in America. This band out of Seattle and people are like, whatever. And Smells Like Teen Spirit comes on and it's like Jaws hit the floor. And I don't know if that's happened since to that to that degree. Yeah. Because, you know? I mean, they debuted at number one and as they should and it just changed everything. And then all of a sudden people wanted more. So Mother Love Bone started to get play. Pearl Jam started to get play. Mm-hmm. Soundgarden started to get play. Um, and then it just went right down the west coast. Yeah. Uh, and then it's kind of and then um and then it sort of went from there. But I mean that changed college music forever. That's where alt alt rock came from mm-hmm. was, was was out of grunge. And uh you when you when you heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, if you were me, you knew that's like, okay, now this is a thing, this is gonna be an important thing. I think things just changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good, yeah, obviously. Um, but today, when I, when I hear something, it's like, ah, I really like that. That's really good. It seems like it sings to me in some way. It's, it's there. It's, uh, it's, it's a song that I hear that speaks to me. Mm -hmm. Or it's a tone that's the progression of, of notes speaks to me. Mm-hmm. In a meaningful way, um, I'm not too much of a lyric guy, to be honest with you. I, I would go another way than, than what you said about yourself. It's like I, the lyrics, ah, we'll see.
0: Doesn't surprise you know, me at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm more about the musicality of it and what that what the what the musicality of it does to my body, the way I feel it. But it's totally a bodily experience. It's not. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about it, mm-hmm. um, I'm not thinking about it. Um, and it doesn't make me feel happier. It's like it. it, it Resonates with a frequency that my body seems to be in harmony with. Mm-hmm. And we then sort of resonate together a little bit. That's interesting. And so, I mean, interesting sets of songs that do, I mean, you can, okay, so, well, Black Sabbath, obviously, and Kate Bush. So what is, <laughs> so what do those have in common? Well, they make Paul resonate at the same frequency, so I guess that's what ties them together. Who knows? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I sort of, I asked you that question because I sort of suspected that you didn't start with lyrics, that it wasn't... Yeah, I, I expected that it was probably a, started with the body. and And that's why, like, the stuff that really shakes me, shakes me because I don't know the lyrics first. And it, like, if something connects with me and it hits me at a bodily level first, that's how I know it's going to be, like, it's going to be music that just... It, yeah. it's gonna stay with me in a different way.
1: Yeah I've never found that good lyrics makes up for shitty music though so for me it, the music comes first and then the lyrics sort of comes second Now the ly- the lyrics can screw it up a, a little bit but
2: yeah. you know it's a good
1: song that got screwed up by bad lyrics not a good song because it has good lyrics or a bad song because the lyrics are awful. The music comes first for me and yeah. the way it sort of goes through my body and the lyrics almost are part of that musicality or tonal experience.
0: Yeah. I mean
1: it's like it's like the lyric it's like the, the, the singing is another instrument.
0: Yeah. So I mean like I can be drawn to music, but it won't really resonate with me until I've processed the lyrics. Unless it's something like a jam band, like like you know, Kurongbin, which I don't think I say their name right, but they are like one of my favorite bands. Um, very little lyrical content and the lyrical content that's there, I mean there's nothing wrong with it, exactly. I mean, it's it's just... it's You are not going to fall in love with them for their lyrics. Yeah, Whereas, yeah, like, um, Brian Fallon, uh, Matt Skiba, who's uh, associated with the Alkaline Trio, like, those are people I love. I I mean, the musicality is great, but I specifically love them for their lyrics. So it's an yeah, interesting... Right. I, I think it just speaks to the how in my head I tend to be the fact that like I look for good lyrics and I think a lot of people um, the lyrical content is it's, it's just another instrument.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, I th- i think for me, the most lyrical band that I ever really got into. Uh, and uh, we'll see who freaks out uh, when I let this rip. I don't know. Um, uh, notoriously, complex and thoughtful lyrics is Rush, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, complex, tonal, almost almost math rock as in terms of the prog rock genre. But, I mean, the lyrics sometimes are so complex and convoluted and deep and whatever. It's like one... It's like I have to get a a, I have to graduate from college before I understand what they're talking about in these lyrics, (laughs) and the music is really cool. So you gotta how do how do you marry those together? And if you're a Rush fan, man, you know every word of every one of those lyrics. Mm Mm-hmm. You made a – and just for so the listeners know, you made a face a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm trying to be stealth. Oh God! Um, Yeah. Again. Uh my volume's going to peak out in my response on rush. Uh no, I mean I understand. <laughs> I do not believe nor will I ever believe that I am Rush's target demographic. <laughs> People whose music opinion I very much respect, love Rush, I have no opinion on their music. Some I have
1: four times. Yeah.
0: I have opinions on the kind of people who seem to love Rush, <laughs>
1: yeah. <that's> but fair.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, I just it's one of those things. Like, there's a lot of bands that at some point, like I sort of leaned into the fact that I'm probably not going to be an expert on a lot of bands that people love.
1: Well, you so can't well now. About. There's so many. I mean, you can't
0: exactly. That's true. Yeah. So, but this is not an episode about music. It's definitely an episode about body. (laughs) But, Uh, I mean, for me, I I do think in a lot of ways, uh, music is my first way into understanding where my body's at. So I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's probably been true for a good 50,000 years. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, I mean, if you think of, you know, human civilization... You know, in the, you know, Homo sapiens leaving Africa, moving into Europe, you know, 50,000 years ago, you know, it's sitting, it's sitting around a campfire, telling stories, oral tradition,
2: mm-hmm.
1: singing some songs, probably. Um, it's a powerful part, um, of a lot of people's cultural history and I think it's not something that was discovered independently I mean I think it goes, go, literally goes back to the dawn of human civilization as a yep. part of the experience that we all share I mean not many species out there can truly sing and can resonate with that and can make music in a meaningful way that is a part of their cultural um, experience yet we do so at such an extraordinary level, it cannot be a byproduct of, of, Oh, we, we can do these other cool things. We can make fire. We can make tools. We have opposable thumbs. We can, and we get all this, you know, fancy talking with our little micro vocalizations. <laughs> um, believe me, we can talk for a long time uh, without stopping. Uh, ask any one of my students. Um, or and, mine. Or yeah. Um, It can't be an accident, you know. Um, Why is music such an integral part of every single culture on Earth? And it must just be one of those things that goes so far back into evolutionary history of the species Homo sapiens that it is probably fundamental to our civilization and Mm -hmm. the ties that bind individuals and groups and families and collectives and cohorts together uh, in a meaningful way.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's very, it's actually a very bodily thing. I oh, mean,
1: absolutely. Yeah. To just the core.
0: Like, look at, look at how we, like, we're drawn to movement when we hear music.
1: Yeah. Right? Dancing, like, you know, c- goes right along with it.
0: Yeah. And I also think, I mean, music has a big role in just what self care looks like for me. Um, uh, you know, like, when I, most of the time, if I'm like doing any kind of exercise at all, like music is necessary for that, right? Um, music, like you said earlier, music helps you like during periods of stress. Like, music's part, I mean, I, I texted a friend of ours, um, earlier because like my, my New Year's resolution is to dance more. Um, and so, like, I texted her earlier. <laughs> like, and I was like, I'm, just, I'm just
1: laughing at the way that you said that, right?
0: Yeah. Well, because it's like, it's one of these things that I think is so frivolous, yet I'm so glad I made it my New Year's resolution. Yeah. So I texted our friend and I was like, five minute dance party. Um, and I do that, like, all the time now. Like, I just put on the most ridiculous music, happy, often music, um, but not the song, happy. Uh, and I just like dance around my condo, and I'm all in for it. Um, and it changes how I feel.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: for sure. And it always did. And I mean, you can invoke just about any emotion you want with it. But sometimes you you put something on, and you think you're going to be enjoying it, but it's like, nah, this isn't the this isn't what I'm looking for. To flip it, even though it's a great song that you've loved before. So it goes both ways. I mean, you can adjust your mood a little bit um, mm-hmm. with with music, but sometimes. It's not everything all the time. I mean, right. you, you do sort of play what you're in the mood for. And I mean, a lot of people, you don't always play. I find it that I don't always play. I should only speak to my own experience here. Music that is the um, sort of oppositional cure to my problems. And so, I mean, if I'm, if I'm feeling like shit or I'm really sad about something, I don't play happy stuff. To cheer myself up. You know, mm-hmm. that's when the, <laughs> that's when Nine Inch Nails comes out. You know, that's when the Leonard Cohen breaks out. It's like, I'm literally listening to music to make me feel worse. But am I? Or am I using it to get in touch with how I'm feeling?
0: So that's interesting. because So Brian Fallon has this lyric that mentions the, melan- the melancholy songs that make us feel a whole lot better. And that's that, right? Like, there's something about tapping in to music. That has this air of melancholy that can actually be healing.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's like therapeutic. It's like,
2: yeah. yeah, absolutely.
1: And this gets to what are we at? You know, half an hour now we're in. What is the topic of the day? Right? Does the body lie? And um, whoa, 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 can, whoa! The,
0: the topic deserves more than just that, like, shh, like half-spit out. The listeners, I can, I can tie it. this
1: together. Yeah,
0: yeah, but. Give the title of the episode the respect it's due. What's so the, the title here, Paul? of
1: the the title of this episode is Does the Body Lie? Uh-huh. Does the body lie? So um, if you're I should let I, sh- I should give you the the microphone here to talk through this. Um, you I don't
2: know that you this,
1: should. But, uh, uh, okay. I mean I can I'm I can throw my it turn. out how I see it. Go for it. Um, um and I've, I've said this sort of before, this statement. It's like, well, the body doesn't like. Um, and what I usually mean by that is you feel what you feel. Um, and you don't necessarily have, sort of have to like it. But when things are moving through your body, it's it's hard to ignore it. And uh, you can run from the, the messaging your body gives you. Uh, but you can't run far and you can't run forever and, and things catch up with you and um, when thing when things happen that are sad or upsetting or frustrating or happy, I mean we shouldn't just focus on the negative. When things mm-hmm. show up that are joyful or happy or just pleasant, we talked about this in you know the rates of things. It, you feel it, I feel it in my body, and you know when those things are moving through you in your in your body, and it 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 it's never lied to me. It's never. When when I was sad it never tried to tell me I was happy. It mm-hmm. always made it really freaking clear that this is a really frustrating situation. <laughs> and uh, you know, as much as I may distract myself with it through other things, uh as long as I put it off, it's still gonna be frustrating until I address it. And mm-hmm. I was like, and it's it's well, the body doesn't lie. Does it? Does it? Um Does it? It it doesn't always give you Um I've noticed good advice when it comes to what the solutions to discomfort might be. Uh, I could eat like 45 tacos and chicken wings right now. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe not. There are other things you might want to try out. It doesn't always give you good ideas, but I blame my thoughts on that more than my body. Um, but I mean, that's usually something that I do to address discomfort that I'm feeling in my body with frustration or anger or sadness or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I mean, we celebrate with cake and we oftentimes suffer with cake too.
2: hmm
1: How many, mm-hmm. you know, raise your hand if you ever tried to eat your way out of dis- bodily discomfort.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Your body
1: doesn't lie.
0: Yeah, so... Yeah, I've, I think the question of whether the body lies is really fascinating to me. Because, you know, I've heard you say the body, the body doesn't lie. And I have been like, yeah, you know, he's right. And then I can also think of experiences in my life where I have clearly felt like my body was lying to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'll tell you what I mean by that in a few minutes. But I, I'm, I think I'm at a place now where I'm not sure... That the body does lie, actually. But I do think the body is sometimes harder to interpret than we think it is. Yeah,
1: right. Right. You right? need Rosetta Stone to translate. Yeah.
0: So, you know, I've been thinking a lot about my relationship to my body and why I say that it lies. So I'll start there. Um, so, I, you know, I've had anxiety, like, since I was 16.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: At least that's when it was diagnosed, Right. So the way that my anxiety has manifested itself over the course of my life has changed. Um, And sometimes I feel like it changes based on, like, new tricks that my body wants to play. Because a lot of times my anxiety will manifest in physical symptoms that are not actually the problem. Uh, So Mm. I was talking about this with a friend of mine earlier. Like, so I will get hives... Not because I'm allergic to something, but because I'm anxious.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
0: my body is responding as though there is like some sort of like histamine situation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there isn't. I'm anxious. And so my body is freak out. It's in freak out mode, but about the total wrong thing. Um for a while in my early twenties um i kept having very real uh kidney pain and i would go through periods where i felt like i was passing a kidney stone and the only the only like i i had all this testing done for it um and it was it was anxiety it was psychosomatic Mm -hmm. um and as soon as i worked on the anxiety all of a sudden the kidney pain like the kidney stone which I mean it was so real that I felt like I could follow the kidney stone moving through my body. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't there. Um yeah. so I've always said like my body will lie to me and tell me that there's this thing. Um except there is a thing. It's just not the thing that my body is telling me. Like it's not a kidney stone. It's not an allergic reaction, it's something else. And so Mm -hmm. I I find that really interesting. So is the body lying or is the body (laughs) less precise than it could be?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. um, I mean, on Sunday or Monday, right, Um, when we were talking about how how our weekends were, Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I spent the weekend feeling like I was dying. How <laughs> was your weekend? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I had a little bout with uh, an, an anxiety induced, uh, I don't know what it was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He lied. Um, I just don't do it often. So it's, it's unfamiliar to me, but it's like, no, I felt like I was literally dying. Um, mm-hmm. clearly something is going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a hypochondriac by any means, except for just like a little bit. And, uh, when I get a little twinge or a pang or whatever it might be, you know, a lot of times it's like, I don't know, did I pull a muscle in my in my thigh or do I have a blood clot that's going to go up to my lung and give me a pulmonary embolism? It might be the last one, actually. Am I breathing okay? It's like, how's my chest, like, am I all right? You know what? I, I can spin myself down this hole of, of uh, you know, thinking of the worst possible outcome of any one of these things. It's like, well, I might be having a heart attack, so, well. It's great knowing mm. everybody. We'll see. Uh it was completely stress-induced anxiety over a specific thing. Um mm-hmm. and I uh, made some decisions and it's better now, I guess. Is the, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it's been addressed. Yeah. Uh but man, you feel like you're going to die. Mhm. You feel like you literally feel like you're dying.
0: And you can't convince your body otherwise. You no, can't
1: you can't your no, You no. can't talk your way out of it. No, you can't talk your way out of it.
0: No. Yeah, and I find myself trying to do that now Now that I can recognize that that's really what it is. Like, okay, my body is trying to tell me something. My body is trying to tell me it is unsatisfied with our current conditions. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, one of the ways that, because I've been doing a lot better with not having anxiety attacks, like the full-blown attacks. It's not like I don't still have anxiety. But I spend a lot of time talking to myself like, okay, body, we are not being attacked by cheetahs. There are no known predators in the vicinity. And sometimes that'll help. But most of the time, the body's like, yeah, it's not about that. It's about this huge intellectual thing. And Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm." I'm trying to figure out how to talk about the real triggers of my anxiety without naming the real triggers of my anxiety. Yeah, right. right? Cause like, cause then we'll have to edit the audio. This, point. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> right. We'll have to edit the audio, but that goes back to it too. I mean, our, our bodies are, are kind of risk. I mean, talk about things that happened at the dawn of human civilization. I mean, this is, this has been talked about, uh, a bit within the last 10 years by a number of people. Um, I mean, this is the whole thing about the paleo diet. You know, eat like your ancestors did 20,000 years ago because that's the true human diet. What are the the triggers of anxiety, you know, 20 or 30,000 years ago? And why does, you know, this email that you just got make you feel like, you know, the lions are, are chasing you? It's like, well, that's what your body sort of knows from its, <laughs> from its evolutionary history. You didn't evolve in a, in middle management, in a, in a cube <laughs> farm, but, <laughs> so your body really doesn't gonna know what to do with it. I mean, that's a pretty recent evolutionary invention. It takes a little bit of time for, for evolution to catch up.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: your, your situations are, are, sort of sociological novel, sociologically novel, but your, your responses to them are evolutionarily, uh, ancient ancient Mm -hmm. you know um and those feelings that you have i think a lot of times when you're feeling particular anxieties you know are very inconvenient now but they may actually be extraordinarily helpful should you be chased by a lion or (laughs) or whatever the whatever the case sort of may may be and this is not to dismiss the severity of people's anxieties disorders or tell people that they're not Valid. They absolutely are. I mean, the body doesn't lie, right? I mean, right. something's something's hitting you in a way that you are reacting to in an unconscious way that is uh, a sign of things unaddressed or that are calling for your attention that are not receiving it. Yeah. and you can you can approach those things uh, voluntarily. I think. You know, you can you can do them on your own your own your own terms, your own dime, your own time, sort of. But occasionally, um, I found that my own body gets tired of waiting for me to address them, and it will start doing some things to more Anarchy. presciently call attention <laughs> to itself. And if the raising of the hand for attention didn't work, the temper tantrum uh, might.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I do think a lot of times the body starts off very quietly and very politely, you know? And then, like, if you just don't listen, the temper tantrum is coming.
1: Yeah, what an American yeah. thing to do, power through. Just power through it, you'll be fine. Suck it up, you know? Yeah. And i just triggered everyone in this. <laughs> yeah. Power Trugers. through, suck it up, right? Yeah. Uh, you're stronger than that. You know, you're, be a big be a big boy or girl, be a...
0: Yeah, you know, this month I'm really trying, the month of July, I'm really trying this experiment with myself where I don't power through anything. Like, where I just really listen and say, well, my body's really not interested in that. We're not. Yeah, if you have it. to
1: power through, you know, shouldn't that be a sign?
0: Yeah, like... I, I used to think that powering through and like grit right were like the ultimate signs of worth and what's interesting about that is it's such a like it's such a it's such a thing that like capitalist society wants us to believe <laughs> right, right? right. You know, like um because like truly wealthy well to do people are not worried about having grit right? They're not worried about powering through. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, the other day I was talking to somebody who was pointing out that, uh, my approach to grit was a very working class, middle class kind of ethic. Um, and so I'm starting to think of like, well, what happens if I only do what my body is like fully in for? Like, You know, no, I can't have seven meetings tomorrow because I'm a human person. Um, No, I'm going to need to space some things out. And I can't be on more than a couple Zoom calls a day or like my human will want to stop humaning.
1: Right. And what were the consequences of making those decisions?
0: You know, so far, like I've ended up... You've been fired
1: from your job, you're homeless, you're poor, you're...
0: None of those things. None of those things. I mean, like, you know, I mean, what are we? What is today? The Today is Podcast the seven.
1: It's Podcast
0: oh, Tuesday. So I've literally been doing this for like a week. One uh-huh. week, right? Seven days. I've said no to a lot more things than normal. I've also just put some limits around my time. Like, um, there's a couple of things that I think a former version of myself would be slaving over a couple of things in my life right now. And I just, it's not kind to myself to do that. Um, And I would never expect anyone else to slave the way I think I should be slaving right now.
1: Right. Right.
0: So, I think I deserve at least as much kindness as I afford other people.
1: I would agree with that. I think you do as well.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a novel concept.
1: Yeah, I've got a question. I have a question. You
0: have a question. I love a question.
1: um, Yeah, and... uh, I'm interested in what your take is on this, and uh, I I agree with everything that you've said about grit. Uh You know, it is the, I mean, even more recently, within the last year or two, you've seen these articles sort of pop up on your social slash newsfeed of choice, whatever it might be, saying that the real quality that employers are looking for, the real qualities of what makes you a good, productive member of society, blah, 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 is grit, is grit, um, and I agree that a lot of times grit is sort of perceived as um, a an, an approach that one one takes to accomplish a task to which there is some sort of resistance to, mm-hmm. and that might be I hate what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyway because I have grit. Um, or there's this thing that is underfunded and under-resourced, and I want to do this good thing because I think it has value to me, so I'm going to come up with a way to make it work. Both of these sort of fit into this sort of grit category. Okay. Although, you know, possibly better descriptors could be applied to either one. The first one is you don't respect yourself. The second one might be you're creative. I don't know. You know, I'm just kind of spitballing. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, so it's not like, what is the definition of grit? What would you say if, cause I mean, the word grit isn't going away. It, it seems to have some staying power. It seems to be at the base of what a lot of people seem to be looking for. What would you think is a more productive description of grit that could be one that one could be proud of rather than one could be using as a sign of, uh, I don't know what to say, something that is not serving.
2: <sighs> your so, your own
1: personal health well, you know? Because, I mean, that comes at a cost when you do either one of those things. I mean, you, you're burning uh, life wick on that. Yeah. It's stressy.
0: I... So... Oh, I have so much to say about this, Paul. But I think... uh Do I want to... How much do I... Uh, well, here we go. You asked the question. Um, Let's have it. So... I think what you're talking about, like, points to, like, one of the biggest problems I see with society, right? And so, of course, yes, like, employers want employees with grit. Well, most companies, institutions, employers, most of those things work best if they have a... peep a collection of human resources who are willing to allow themselves to be exploited for the good of the company, right? Like businesses perform better if the people who work there are efficient and selfless. Uh And so what we end up with is a world where people Companies are it's like a novel idea to bring in a masseuse halfway through the day to give massages to their employees because they've got so much grit that they're willing to grind through the day without a lunch break or without properly taking rest or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, here we are in a global pandemic because like people go to not because but one of the issues that we have is that people go to work when they're sick. People go out. People are grinding through regardless of their feelings because it's a virtue. I think one of the biggest problems that I see in our culture is we care more about the bottom line. We care more about productivity and profit than we care about humans. And you see that in our politics. You see it in our business world. It's everywhere. Um, and the only time we care about people is when we think we can profit off of them, um, and so I can't offer a better word than grit because I think grit sucks uh, because I think it speaks to the fact that exploitation is a cultural tradition.
1: Interesting, yeah.
0: It's so interesting. there's
1: that. Yeah, there's that. Uh, yeah, if you if you have a if you have a job that requires grit, think about your. Think about your choices, right? Um,
0: Well, but what jobs don't require grit right now? I mean, that's the...
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, like... It's unique days.
0: Yeah. Temporary
1: grit I can live with. It's persistent job requirement grit that is exhausting, and that catches up with you.
0: Or just societal expectation. Like... (laughs) How often do we give awards to people because they go above and beyond? Isn't going above and beyond? Maybe I'm just getting really cynical, but
1: rather than just doing your job well, yeah, this person did every single thing on their job requirements and did absolutely nothing that uh, they were uh, extra than what they were asked for. That's a gold medal, if you ask me. You know,
0: well, so. Uh. I think this speaks to the original Paul and Sherry, like, conversation. Not not the rom-com one, right? But, like, a year ago, like, I summoned you to my office because you didn't come to Salon one day. Because I was trying to work on a presentation for my field. Um, So I was going to go talk to a bunch of writing program administrators about self-care. And I was trying to work through self-care... By first starting to try to figure out, like, for myself, what were my most essential core values? And this is an exercise that Brene Brown has in Daring to Lead. And I think mm-hmm. it's really productive. But what I did was I came up with my two sort of core Sherry Spiegel beliefs, um, my core values, and one of them was growth. And so as I started to write about growth, I started to get really suspicious of my own belief system because what I realized was that I I thought all growth was good. And I just wanted to keep growing, achieving bigger, better, more, always, always, always. And the more I started to think about that, the more I was like, oh, crap. Unchecked growth is not good. And so what do I do? I I, I summon, you know, the biologist I know. And I'm like, so unchecked growth, that's bad, right? And you're like, that's bad. Yeah, it's not, not so the, good.
1: Uh, <laughs> healthy ecosystem, they right? So, grew in unchecked way.
0: And so I've been trying to think about some of the stuff we talked about. Like I remember—I don't know if you remember—but you talked about like I don't know, maybe like a whale or something that just kept growing. Like, what's the? Do you remember this?
1: I don't know if I do.
0: Okay, so <laughs> I mean, a
1: little bit more to go with. Okay,
0: anyway. so I was trying to get you to talk to me about examples of like animals or whatever. That just, like, when does unchecked growth become problematic for a right. species? And right. you were talking about something about a whale that had some sort of... I See, these. this is why we record conversations now.
1: Yeah, right. Because we had great ones. It's like, we're going to lose these and we're not going to remember them. This is a case in point.
0: I mean, we did talk about the fact that, un, like, at a cell level, like, what is cancer? Unchecked growth, right? Right.
1: Right. It's unchecked growth.
0: Yeah. Oh, I wish you remember the whale thing. It was hmm something about this whale got unsustainable because the larger it got,
1: uh, it's temperature. the temperature. It was Go this temperature, on. right? It was the really, really big ones like the blue whales and sperm mm-hmm. whales, those really big ones. And when they when they give birth, you know, um, they always how does this work? Um, they always head south to the tropics. Mm -hmm. You know, um, because the babies, when they have this baby, is not large enough to have, um, be able to generate enough heat to live in polar, cold ocean ocean water. They have this baby in the tropics, and then they all just turn around, and they screech back up to the north. Uh, The baby whale just getting as much food in itself as possible, and mom not eating a thing. Trying to get it as much weight off of itself as possible, trying to shed as much weight because um, the volume is so big. You overheat, right? So mm-hmm. the problem is overheating. So these huge whales, you know, they have this huge volume and this little bit of surface area relative to that. The problem, you know, it's like, oh my God, they're in the tropics, or sorry, they're in the they're in the poles. How do they not freeze to death? It's like its problem is not freezing to death. It's it's getting rid of heat
2: mm-hmm.
1: from the their mammals internal internal heat, and so. The only time they actually ever leave those polar regions is when they head to the tropics to to have a baby. You know, shedding as much weight as possible the whole way, have the baby so the big, because the baby's not big enough to have that thermal inertia for the poles. And then as soon as they have the baby, turn around and rock it back up to the pole, getting the baby as big as possible Mm -hmm. before mom overheats. Mm-hmm. You no, know, elephant ears are the same way. I mean, those ele- those ear- elephant ears. Are the- I might have talked about this, yep. you know, six months yeah. ago too. You know, why do elephants have these big weird ears? You know, it's it's getting rid of body heat. You get big enough that you have to start doing some pretty weird stuff, um, in order to maintain homeostasis mm-hmm. in some sort of balanced way. But ecosystems do it the same, the same way.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so I think, you know. Grit is sort of the human elephant ear, right? Like the, this is, the it's
1: too it's so big it requires something ridiculous like yeah. grit in order to sustain itself.
0: Yeah, because the heat is too much, and like, what do we need? We, so we develop these unsustainable practices. Um So you know, my ultimately my big conclusion with that presentation was that I didn't want to just keep working towards more better bigger always um instead i wanted to live a life that is cyclical and Mm -hmm. and planning for periods of because i don't think times to grind are necessarily bad i don't think the grind is always bad um and having grit like you said in moments is okay but i think it's the constant grind i think we need to allow ourselves periods of dormancy
1: yeah, there was an article I was just reading. I don't know, it was yesterday or the day before. Um, and it popped up in whatever I don't know if it was Yahoo or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Firefox news front page or whatever it was. But it was um it was exactly about this. Uh and I think it I don't know which article it was. It was I don't know if it was that one uh that was pretty from that author, I don't know who it was. Um saying that most jobs are just like meaningless BS that <laughs> don't actually serve any functional purpose or not. Yeah. Um But it's sort of this humans weren't, weren't designed to be this way. I mean, human evolution is a story of, you know, times of frenetic energy being expended for your survival, followed by longer, long periods of dormancy. hmm You know, it's called, um, the seasons, you know, mm-hmm. it's called the seasons. Um, And for a sense of what this is, just, like, watch old Little House on the Prairie episodes. What did the Ingalls family do in the Dakotas between the months of October and March? Nothing. Mm -hmm. They did nothing except not freeze to death. And, you know, that was followed by six months of furious uh, farming, wood shopping, maintenance of the homestead and the household, um maybe some babies got born uh all that stuff that kept the the household moving and then once uh once the late fall winter came around you shut down for months i mean and that's the story of 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 human civilization right there
3: mm-hmm.
1: um it's it's periods of of i mean it's not even seasonal like that i mean even you know going back to you know our our tropical African ancestors, we get a bunch of people together and we, we hunt a mammoth (laughs) or something like that, you know, and we have this windfall of, or an elephant or whatever it might be, this large thing. We have this windfall of resource that we're going to sort of milk for the next, however, however long agriculture changed all of that a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's like this daily grind of nine to five, five days a week is no part of human biological experience. I mean, we're, we're, we're persons of season mm-hmm. and growth patterns and foraging and gathering and hunting and whatever it might be. And when we say hunting, we're not talking about, you know, get your, get your rifle out and, and shoot something and eat it for the season we're talking about chase this thing down for 20 miles <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, with a spear and uh that's a that's a whole different operation that's a whole different operation and so it's it's yeah it's it's the it's the daily grind mm-hmm. that requires the grit to to keep going that is the same grit that puts you in an early grave I think
2: mm-hmm
0: well, yeah, I mean, I think that's where, I think we're the, it's where the body comes into it. Because, like, we're we're just not, we're not designed for the grind. We're not nope. designed nope. for grit. I mean, I think that's, it's one of the interesting things about these times, pandemic times. Like, you know, on the one hand, like, I find, you know, not having to be in an office building all the time. It's so interesting as a human person to experience because, you know, air quality in office buildings is a little suspect.
1: Notoriously horrible, yeah.
0: Right, and so there are ways in which I feel like I'm experiencing things about my my allergies, my hair, my skin, not having to go sit in an office building. You know, not saying anything good or bad, but I'm noticing. Yeah, all about. these people
1: who said they didn't like to take their work home. Well, it's home now for a lot mm-hmm. of people. So,
0: Yeah. Um, and I also am finding that the flow of my workday is a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at work, um, in a structured office, I feel sort of this compulsion to grind, to be constantly on. Pretty and tough. I think yeah, be productive. And I mean, granted, we, you and I right now have the luxury of being technically off contract, though you have some contractual obligations sort of supplemental. Um, but I don't know. I think that there is something to the way my life is structured right now that I can I can listen to my body in a way that a normal office job, doesn't really permit me to i mean mm-hmm. even the fact mm-hmm. that there sure. is a concept of the teacher bladder right Yeah. like because <laughs> not so much with us but like school teachers develop you know this
1: the bladder this, this
0: badass bladder that allows them to get through the day um but i imagine if we did some sort of interesting study on the propensity for these same teachers to experience things like UTIs, uh, we might find some interesting things. Like, I, I just, or, I mean, I just, I can't imagine teacher bladder is good for long-term bladder health.
1: Yeah, they probably also don't drink enough water during the day, right? Cause no. it's probably actively avoided for that. So, yeah, it's interesting. For that same
0: purpose, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: for that exact same purpose. Mm-hmm. So interesting, right? A recouching of grit. Maybe there's not a way out for grit. Maybe it is... Um, just a word that's uh, systemic of uh, work culture that we that we have now developed.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the word is it really something you want? Grit, like grit. grit, you know, like when I grit my teeth, is this a is, this yeah, a, is that a positive?
1: Teeth? Hey, Sherry, that's a great job gritting your teeth, <laughs> right? I, I can't think of any other any other circumstance that it's that it's used as a characteristic or a quality of a human that is that that is positive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and well, like, it it does make you wonder, like, what other terrible traits could we try to extend to be productive workflow?
1: Yeah, so I mean, let's think of let's think of non-human uses of the word grit. Sandpaper is that what you want to be associated with? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you know, I I went into this asking if there's a better definition or a productive definition of the word grit. The answer might be no.
0: Abandon it.
1: <laughs> Abandon grit. Ask your or ask yourself why. Why does your job require grit? Why does what you? Why do your decisions about what you want to do require grit?
0: Yeah. So a, if,
1: if if grit is not the word, what what is a different word that you could use instead of grit that might be?
0: Well, so my question word? for you, my friend, would be like if employers right now are looking for and heralding grit as sort of the holy grail. What would you say they should be looking for instead? What actually do... What does society need in a human?
1: People need... Uh, society needs honesty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They need honesty. Okay. Um, I think... I might stick with that one and just kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Go for it. Um, honesty... In they it would be good if people had the ability to be honest with statements about what they can do mm-hmm. and the time frame in which they can do it. Um, the as you and I have both talked about in this podcast, um, if it's not 100%, yes, it's a no in uh-huh. developing that ability to say no
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, when the answer is no. The answer is no, say no, right? And when and I mean this from not necessarily from an you know sort of a low-level employee, hey, can you work on Thursday? No. I'm thinking about this in terms of, you know, management. When the answer is no, say no. When the answer is yes, say yes. Clarity, clarity of intention, well-established clarity about what it is, what what's the objective, what's the mission, what's the vision, what's the outcome that we're hoping for. And can you articulate that clearly and honestly? Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and if you if you have those, you're never surprised. Yeah. You're never surprised. Um, yeah. I You should well, always I mean when you get up when you get up in the morning and you go to work do you always know why you're why you're doing what you're doing and and, and how you got here? You know, um, what is the good that comes out of me doing this thing that I decided to do today? You know, so I, I got up and I, I put my pants on and I practiced hygiene, you know, and um, I mean, this is pre-co- pre-COVID pre conversation now. I mean, only, nobody really cares. You know, I think
0: you're still wearing pants.
1: Yeah, I'm still wearing, yeah, I was going to say, all that really matters is the waist up.
0: I mean, um, I have no evidence of this, but... <laughs>
1: uh listeners I am wearing pants um (laughs) for the record um I mean when you get up and you go do these things whatever that might be but it can be a zoom conversation anyway it can be online meetings it can be anything that you do during the course of your day Mm -hmm. that you have agreed to enter into a relationship with somebody else to receive compensation for said work um is it work that you can do in good conscience? Is it work that serves a good greater than yourself? Um, and if it doesn't serve a good greater than yourself, is it actively harming anyone besides yourself to do so? And if the answer is it's not serving me, and I don't know if it's serving anybody else, um, what could get you to that place where um, you do take it on yourself to do things that are more serving of yourself and others? And, uh, the body doesn't lie. You know, I think, um, there might be subtle cues, but I think your body knows when it's, it's engaging in stuff that it would just rather not do for whatever that reason reason might be. And it might be, it's against your own value system. You can't really articulate why it is that you're doing what you're doing. Um, you're not being honest with yourself, uh, with, um, What you really think the good of this is? What's the objective here? What's the objective here, Sherry? I mean, is it, I'm going to wake up in the morning, I'm going to do this job, and then what? I mean, what's the objective? Is it to get something good later? Is it to have a retirement and a pension so you can retire in comfort? of something of which you can never guarantee yourself is the objective. One of, I want to feel like I did something valuable during the course of the day. God, if that was the objective, this is the article that I was reading the other day, 80% of people would quit, Mm -hmm. you know, tomorrow. Um, The, the example he uses is corporate lawyers. Every corporate lawyer out there would quit tomorrow if they had to reconcile with themselves, whether or not they did something good for somebody during the day. Um, I have no personal experience of that. I'm just going with what was said. Right. Um but if if you if that was something that you addressed, if you if you looked at yourself in the light of what will genuinely make me happy? What are my values? What can I do? Um, what is the best service that I can I can do for the world? What what do I have to offer? What does the world need? And where do those things intersect? Find uh get a, get a piece of paper out, right? And write down what do you think the world needs right now? Um, and what are two things that you love to do? Find a way where those three circles can overlap with each other and do that. And mm-hmm. you will be the best at it. You will be happy and you will be serving a, a need that you see on this earth. And you will wake up every day of your life feeling like you have a purpose on this life that you have. Mm -hmm. today and if you wake up in the morning and it's like i love this but i'm not doing it the job that i have uh, is meaningless to me and i'm not doing any good for anybody and it really just makes me angry and stressed out that is information for you to uncover
0: right well and i mean yeah and what do you do with it it if and when one discovers that. I mean, well, you when discovers whole... that
1: you say, Oh shit. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. <laughs> How yeah. did I get myself into this? Um, congratulations, you have grit but nothing else, right? You're gonna you have grit but you're gonna die miserable and lonely. <laughs> um having done nothing yeah. for society. Um Right.
2: Well, you I know, mean yeah yeah,
1: get on a piece of paper and write down the five five things that you do in your job that um, are of value to yourself in society,
0: Yeah, can you, you know, do it? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are a lot of tools out there that are designed to help people do this kind of work and this sort of self-exploration. Like, I know um, right before COVID, maybe I told you about this. I'm looking for it in my collection of books around here. Like, I read this book called, uh, I think it's called Mindfulness at Work. And it has you do a lot of that kind of like self-assessment, you know, and so I did that and I learned some things about, you know, myself and um, how I interact with the work that I do, which was really interesting. You and I have been doing the Artist Way book with Julia Mm -hmm. Cameron, um, which has a lot of similar kinds of activities, getting you to keep asking kind of what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm also reading this book uh, called Designing Your Life, which kind of does exactly what you were just describing. They have this thing called the work, the work view reflection, where you ask, like, why work? Like, why do you work? Like, what, what's, so what's the deal it? with yeah, that? Yeah, why do it at all? Yeah, like, what's work for? Uh, what does work mean? Does it relate to other people? Um, what defines good work? Um, how does money influence it? Like, you know, what does fulfillment look like with it? And I think those are those are all really good questions. But you know, the thing that I think probably challenges a lot of people is going from the self-exploration of like what would make me happy to the reality of now I'm doing that thing. I think that's the hard work, right? Like it the, is. the the body can tell you there's something wrong. But then the, you know, the mind and maybe the heart will say, yep, but we have this one job. We're, we're stable in this job.
1: We have a mortgage payment.
0: Right? right? We yeah. have
1: food that we need to procure through the economy. You know,
0: Right. And so I think sometimes grit comes from the desire to, like, if you just grind through, if you just push through, you'll have stability. And then... Maybe you can't find joy nine to five, five days a week, but maybe the weekends and the evenings will be better. Except if you have grit, a lot of times the job seeps into those other areas. Yeah. But I mean, I think this is what people. Because look. you're
1: going above and beyond, right?
0: Right. Uh. Like I think, I think, you know, what we tell ourselves in terms of what we deserve, what's possible, um, what we have access to in terms of like happiness and contentment and satisfaction in life. I think a lot of it's really complicated. And I think it's a lot more complicated than like, I mean, I think writing down and figuring out what is the thing is definitely the right first step, but convincing somebody to, to actually go for that thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. how many times have you advised a student where you've been able to help them identify, like, what's that thing that you're so passionate about that you think about all the time, and then you identify that thing with them, and then you say, "Great, when are you changing your major?" And they say, "Yeah, my dad really wants me to be a dentist." Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Right. Like point A to point B, we're not good. We're not. We're not always good at going for it.
1: Yeah, fun fact, it's never gonna be easier than it is when you're a student. Cause man, once you start getting a paycheck and getting entrenched, it gets it just gets it get just gets more more challenging. Um, it just gets more challenging. And um, the longer you wait, the more of an act of salvation it becomes. Yeah. You know, and it goes from, oh, I'm going to change my major to, okay, so I'm going to burn my life down, <laughs> you know, change my medical insurance if I'm blessed to have it, you know, mm-hmm. Uh change my whatever, you know, do this other thing, come up with this whole new relationship with an employer, do all this i also got to apply for these jobs, I have to do this other kind of stuff. It just becomes a much heavier lift the longer that you you wait. And it's like, well, my mom my dad really wants me to do this thing and it's like if that's the only impediment, it will never be easier. Yeah. Cuz once that check starts rolling in, um if you don't, if you have, if you don't care at all about what you do with your life and you just want to check, life will be easy and meaningless for you. Um, if you actually want to earn that check doing stuff that um, that is of value to society and individuals and communities in any way, um, it's going to be a little more thinky. You're going to be a little bit of thought. It's going to be mm-hmm. a little more introspective on how you actually get there. But the longer you wait, uh, the harder it's going to be. And I was just listening to a podcast uh, with. A, uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Rich Roll, the Rich Roll podcast, and he was on the James Altucher, um, talking about how we we have these careers and we're miserable and so we burn it all down and we start to do this other thing and now everything is happy ever after. It doesn't actually work that way when you shift careers. Um There's always this like mm, temporal overlap. It's like you don't stop doing this thing and all of a sudden you be, be, a, be, a, be a podcaster that's going to strike it rich. You know, there's going to be a... Yeah, followed by you know it's gonna you're gonna sort of mush mush from one to the other with significant degrees of overlap in between at at which times you will probably never be busier or happier Uh you know than knowing that you're actively taking steps to to change your approach to how you're living this life on this on this earth and it's never, a, okay, I'm going to quit my job and do this thing and it's going to be great and happy forever after I didn't you do this earlier and next week you're going to be happy. It's it's never as clean as that, but that doesn't mean that it's not to be done. Right. I, you know, there should always I, be an, a, an investigation of self on whether or not, you know, what it is your, your contribution is and yeah. whether or not you're happy with, with that contribution as it is.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, to sort of circle back to the body, I I think that's where, like, the body can give you a lot of clues for this kind of thing. Like, you know, there's, like, that whole concept of, like, flow. Like, when you're really doing the stuff that's, like, really it, like, you hit flow and, and you know, right? And, and it's the right kind of mix between being challenging and being fun and, like, and, and time just flows, right? Like, it just goes and it's... So I this Designing Your Life book, one of the things it has you do is sort of check in on, like, what things really engage you and what things give you energy versus what drains you. And I think a lot of folks might be able to, wherever they are, might be able to reposition themselves within even their own position by paying attention to the job they have and looking at, what kinds of things energize them within that job? And then which kinds of things take away their energy? Yeah. There's a project that I've been working on for a while that there were parts of the project that were just draining me constantly. Like they, they, you and I use this phrase, like they felt like death. Yeah, they felt, felt like dying. Like <laughs> dying. Um, and so I went and talked to somebody that I was working with and I said, you know, I had done the Strengths Finder assessment, and I had figured mm-hmm. out, okay, here are five things. Th- these are the five things that I really bring to the table when I walk into a room. Notice that these things that I've been asked to do are not even close to being the top of my strengths. Right, right. I'm floundering. Um, and so, like, I repositioned myself within the project to focus on what are actually my strengths. And then now I'm able to find flow with that project again. And so, you know, maybe one sort of the compromise of like blow up and start over is to wherever you are. How do you figure out how to find flow in the moments? How, how do you identify what does work,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and where can you limit the things that are like energy vampires?
1: Ah, oh, energy vampires.
0: Hmm. They sneak in. And a lot of the stuff that I used to think of, even within my own job, or within kind of my life as a human, I used to do a lot of stuff out of obligation that no one else expected me to keep doing except me.
1: Mm -hmm. You're always the last to find out, aren't you? Oh,
0: that's so true.
1: God, you're always the last to find out.
0: Yeah, like, people, you know, if I had just started asking myself, like, who am I doing this for? Like some invisible army expecting me to do something. No. No one's paying that much attention.
1: Yeah. And it's oftentimes the answer that I found is who's expecting you to do it is not actually a person. No. It's an artificial other or it's an organization that is not a a person.
0: Or a tradition that no no one cares about
1: anymore. Or, Or something that used to be very relevant or important or critical to something that may no longer be and hashtag cycles mm-hmm. um or whatever. I mean, is it a is it a person that is expecting you to to keep on with this? And if, if it is, is it somebody besides yourself? Because sometimes it can only be you. Yeah. You know, kind of stoking your own sense of am I a success or am I a failure? And what's the difference between letting the sun set on something and giving up and being a quitter? Because that's where grit comes in. Cause if you have grit, you don't quit. And, um, what times that often, what that oftentimes sort of feeds into is, uh, making things attempt to live longer than their time. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, nothing ever got to be anything in this world by hanging on to it longer than it needs to be hung on to um uh-huh. the sun, sun rises and the sun sets the tide goes in the tide goes out uh every day's a new day
0: yeah
1: you know and we things things move on to make room for the new and um what if you, you we reframed things ending the endings of things From something that was a sign of failure to something in giving up to something that was making room for the next best thing that's Mm going to excite you, that's going to make you feel alive, that's going to be fully in line with your mission and your purpose that you see for yourself, Mm -hmm. that could be even better in the environment that you're in and the situation that you're in for the people you have, what worked in the past might not work now. Times change, society changes, people change, situations change. Um, sometimes it's thing, it's time to let things pass on mm-hmm. and, uh, refocus your attention on, on different, different stuff that is more in line with what, what you want to do and who you are. And that's not a sign of of failure, or giving up, or, or grit making you do something, or letting you do something that you know is past its time. Maybe it's a recognition that uh, things things go in cycles, and mm-hmm. so uh, maybe it's, it's time to do something else.
0: Yeah. So maybe instead of asking whether the body lies, maybe we should ask: Does biology lie?
1: Does body, Yeah, it does. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Absolutely, yeah. It's like there is no lions out there. Why are you still thinking? Why are you, why are you still thinking there is lions chasing you when you are in the office park? You know, it's like, yeah. You know that the person who cut in front of you is not trying to steal your, you know, your your food. You know, they're. <laughs> it's like why are you why are you reacting like they are? You know, ego is a thing. Um, mm. So biology lies sometimes.
2: Yeah. No, the body doesn't
1: lie. It's just out of context a little bit sometimes. I mean, it, it's, it's sort of a one trick horse in a lot of things. Why do ulcers feel like heart attacks? Well, you got that one nerve that runs up through everything. Anything that hits that nerve in the same way. It all feels like a heart attack. You know, um, uh, why did my anxiety this weekend feel like dying? Uh, it hit the same neural responses. You know, I could, I could wax poetic and then, uh, maybe something within me was dying. But, you know, there's biological explanations as well. Mm -hmm. that that fit into this. You know, my stress whacked out my immune system, which made my stomach crack in a weird way, which hit that vagus nerve, which made me feel like I was having a damn heart attack. I don't know. But I will tell you what kicked me out of it was taking some goddamn agency over my life and starting off some processes that I knew were things that I needed to do for my own health and sanity. You know, and uh, it went up like a puff of smoke. Mm-hmm. A couple of good nights' sleep never hurt, too.
0: So, isn't that where biology is coming in with the truth? The truth is, you still have to take care of yourself because yeah, you're a I, mammal.
1: I like what you said. I like what you said. Right? Um, it, it doesn't lie, but it does lack specificity.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's, true.
1: it's the light that, it's the engine light, you know, that goes off. It's like it could be one of forty five things. I don't know what it is, but something's going on with my car, and I mm-hmm. need to go to the shop and get it serviced. And Uh, somebody with a little more uh, insight with a little bit of training in this might help me uncover what it is. Yeah. Or if I poke around enough with myself honestly and pop the hood, maybe I'll find out what it is. You know, maybe I already know what it is, but it's just inconvenient to think about it. It could be either one of these things.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, ultimately like we can have all the technology in the world. We can have all these little things that will sing at us and remind us to do all the things. Um, But at the end of the day, we're still mammals, right? Like, we can't, we don't get outside of that. Yeah,
1: yeah, you can't run from that.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, if it is the, you know, the body's tripping because it thinks that a lion's after us, well, we can't change where we are in evolution, right? Like, this is where we are at body yeah I means all you, you can
1: do, yeah, all you can do is you know what's causing my body to think there's a lion tripping after me like that, you know, um, what's going on? it's like what what is threatening me in my environment that causes mm-hmm. me to question my longevity and yeah, it used to be a lion coming after you now it's your boss or middle management or. You know, your inbox with 45 things in it, or Mm -hmm. 45 if you're lucky, um, whatever it might be. Job insecurity might be doing it.
2: Yeah.
0: what's knowing whether
1: or not you're going to get a check.
0: Yeah. So I guess the takeaway for our listeners this week is to go figure out what their own lions are.
1: Yeah. Music might help.
0: Music might help. Mm, Nico Case has a really good... Lot, song about lions. Mm. Lyrics, man.
1: Lyrics, I don't know. I like the yeah. musicality, but lyrics are certainly play a role. Mm. For sure.
2: For sure.
1: Awesome. So, what's our ask? Uh, so, we've talked about this a little bit before, Sherry. I don't know if we really want to unveil it now, Ooh. but we we thought about a, a, a playlist, like we a did? Spotify playlist or something.
0: I made a note that I should talk to you about that in the Thursday business meeting, actually. But why not now? Live yeah, on our Tuesday podcast? Unbelie- yeah,
1: this most unbelievable playlist. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're listening, send in a, I don't know, send in a, a song or two yeah. that you want us to put on the playlist and you can include a little context if you want about why that song is on your playlist. I'd love to hear.
0: Yeah. And maybe next week we'll talk about what songs we're going to add to the playlist.
2: Who knows?
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like I should, Sort of seed the seed the field a little bit with this uh, lately. I've been listening to oh god, well like I said, quite a bit of Steely Dan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, I don't know what else. Uh, like I said, some old stuff. I would put uh, Christopher Cross's old single "Sailing" on there. I just love all that right, song. All right, okay. Know? Uh, probably a little Peter Gabriel, Salisbury Hill. Maybe I'd okay,
2: love that song. Cool. It's, it's
1: a transformative song for me. I would put, I would, I would offer those right now. But I'd love to hear what other people.
2: Yeah. Well, to say,
1: and you know, we can we can build a Spotify playlist or something like that.
0: Yes. Well, this. clearly, I will have to put forward some Brian Fallon, as he was mis- mentioned, Ringo Starr, because first boyfriend, and uh, I mentioned Charlie Bliss this episode too. So yeah. I would love to throw in uh, the song Capacity, which is what clicked for me yeah. with them so yeah <gasps> do love music
1: yeah i do too yeah. um I've, I've noticed i think i don't know if you noticed this too but i'm probably to talked to you about it but it's like i can tell when when things are not going well for me because it's like I'll, I'll stop listening to music well and just like you said i stopped singing right
0: yeah like i pointed listeners i pointed out when paul told me that over the weekend he felt like he was dying i had a weird moment over the weekend where I realized I was worried about Paul. Why? Because I realized I had talked to him for an exceptional amount of time uh, on Thursday, and he did not at any point sing. And
1: Come I was like, oh, oh crap! Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Paul has sang much more today, and so I feel like it can breathe easy. A lion is not attacking my friend.
1: Yeah, and always keep in mind, listeners, everybody sounds good when they're singing in the shower. So, uh Find your favorite song and let it rip in the shower.
0: Belt it in the shower. Belt sure. it.
1: Everybody sounds good in the shower.
0: Hmm. Ooh, we should talk about shower tunes. Another day.
1: Another day. Thanks, Sherry. This has been an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed this one.
0: It has. Great talking it's really to you, been
1: Fantastic. Cool, man. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll talk at you soon. Thanks. Happy Sherry.
0: Tuesday.
1: Happy Tuesday. Tuesday. Happy birthday, Ringo Starr. Um, if you're listening, you know mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Um, and we'll see everybody on the flip
0: bye see you Sherry see you Paul
1: see everybody
2: Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Sherry podcast yes yes yes